28th chapter of Matthew, beginning with verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today. We normally get to visit one time a year. <clears throat> it's usually in the summertime or maybe early fall, and so this is a special treat. And because I grew up in Hardin County, and because I know many of you or knew many of you as I was growing up, when I do visit, I'm just flooded with memories. I, it, it just amazes me as I was sitting in class this morning and listening to the to the teacher, I, I had to work hard to keep my mind on the lesson because so many memories came back. Talking about, I guess one of the first things he mentioned, Hardin County uh, High School. Of course, I went to Central High School. And uh, when I was in school, um, there was also Morris Chapel and Saltillo and Dunbar and Pickwick. And most of those schools closed while I was in high school here, and uh, I think Pickwick was the only one left other than uh, Central. But anyway, so many memories, and I appreciate you for those memories. Uh, good to see uh, Mr. Phillips, who was my homeroom teacher, I guess, two or three years, and gave me the only paddlings I had when I was in school, and I remember that, uh, and I uh, appreciate him and, and uh, what he represents in so many ways. And many, many, many here so so uh, important in my life. I appreciate you. Uh, the Second Creek connection uh, is so good. Grew up uh, out there. And, and uh, like I say, so many memories. Good to see Steve Worley, another missionary, and uh, know of his work and what a tremendous job he's doing. I'm not going to have a lesson on missions altogether. I'm going to, there will be a lot of references to mission work as I go through what I'm going to say, but uh, I've got something else in mind. But I will mention, uh, so, I won't, so you'll be praying for us, uh, next week I and a team of uh, preachers will be leaving for a trip over to the island of Borneo, which is part Malaysia, part Indonesia, and also the island of Sri Lanka, a little uh, island nation of about uh, 20 million people or so, and then from there over to India. We'll be working all the way across India. Uh, and uh, uh, two days after I leave, my son Joey, second son, will be going to uh, Burma and to China for his work period this time. A few days after that, my wife Janet and two of my grandchildren, two 13-year-old uh, a grandson and a granddaughter will be leaving for Burma, and they're going to do a vacation Bible school in Rangoon for about 500, hopefully 500, maybe as many as 1,000 children. And then uh, a few days after that, my youngest son, Jeremy, will be headed to Latin America for visits in Argentina and 
and I think Brazil and maybe Peru, I believe is what his uh, itinerary looks like. So pray for us as we travel and do the work that we do. We touch a lot of countries. Uh, we have a lot of work in place. Obviously, we don't do all that's done. We have about 30 operating bases that we work from across the world and about 12 colleges that we uh, operate to do what we do. A lot of people hear the gospel. A lot of people are baptized every year. And uh, it's because uh, you help and because you pray for us, because we're able to go. So just keep praying that we'll be successful on these missions that are coming up right away. If we study uh, the New Testament and, and understand what we need to, uh, we'll get everything we need for all aspects of our life. Good times, hard times, uh, encouragement, um, instruction. Uh, sometimes we need instruction that's hard. And each book of the Bible has a, a different emphasis, a different purpose for being written. And I enjoy reading Paul's four letters that he wrote when he was in prison thinking that he was going to be executed. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. And I'm going to be talking this morning about a few things that um, come to mind when we study the last part of the book of Philippians, really part of chapter 3 and, and chapter 4. Now Paul, as I said, thought he was going to be put to death uh, as he was writing these books. So he weighs his thoughts carefully. If you read them, you can read all four of them just a little while, a few minutes, really. Uh, you, can, you can learn so much because the, the thoughts there are so deep that he has. But in Philippians uh, chapter 3, uh, you would expect, Paul's talking about the end here. He's talking about, uh, he's, he sounds like it's the end of his life. You would expect that at this point in Paul's life, that he would be really talking about the victory that he had achieved, uh, his achievements. Because as we studied in our class this morning, Acts 9, 10, and 11, Paul was, was called by the Lord to take the gospel to the Gentile world, which was 99 plus percent of the whole world. And he had accomplished that by the time that he wrote these things here in these four books. The whole world. Colossians chapter 1, verses, uh, verse 23, I believe, says that every creature under heaven had heard the gospel. Now, being a missionary and being involved in taking the gospel to places across the world, that is almost hard to comprehend. It's hard to imagine that every person in the world hearing the gospel. As a matter of fact, today, as, as big as the church is, uh, with the millions and millions of members we have, as strong as it is in America, there are over a million people who die every week who've never heard the gospel a single time in all of their life. I've heard the gospel thousands of times in, throughout my life. And these people have never heard it once, not one single time. So for Paul to say here in the first century without airplanes, without electronic communications, motor vehicles and all those things, to say that the gospel had gone to not only every nation but to every person in the world is just an amazing achievement. And you would think as he's about to die and he's reflecting on, on things, that's what he'd talk about. You'd think he would mention that. But he doesn't. 
He doesn't mention that at all. He doesn't talk about the past. He doesn't talk about achievement. Let's look at a few verses, and this will be our lesson this morning from Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. Paul says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul not only doesn't talk about what he's achieved, but he says, I'm, I'm not even going to uh, think about that. I want us to reach forward. I want to move forward. I want to go forward from here. Now, I think that's really relevant to us today. We're in, we live in a place where the church is really, really strong. I can drive out of my driveway at the house in rural Lauderdale County, and in less than 10 minutes, I can be at, at six or seven different, I could go to six or seven different congregations to worship, all sizes, anywhere from 10 to, to 300 within just a few minutes of my house. The church is strong here. We've lived all of our lives, most of us, surrounded by brethren where we're encouraged and where we're, uh, we're uh, given everything that we need to press forward and to do what we need to do. We live in a good time where we are, and yet across the world most people have never heard. And I think that's what was on Paul's mind at this time. Even though the whole world had heard the gospel, most of the world had never obeyed the gospel. And so Paul says, at this point where, like us, we've achieved great things, he says, I feel pressure. I feel pressure. And if I, do any, if I don't accomplish anything today except for this, I want you to feel pressure. I want you to feel some pressure as a result of the reality of some things about today. Because just a few minutes ago, the brother read the Great Commission where we are told to take the gospel to every nation and every person in all the world. And while we live each day blessed with the ability to talk to God and know that He'll answer us, Positively, to know that through His hand of providence all things are working together for good. We live every day knowing that if we leave this world at any time that we'll face God in judgment and be ready for eternity, we'll have a home throughout eternity that's uh, more magnificent than anything that we can ever imagine here in this world. We're blessed in every way. We have this job to do, though, and we're not doing it. And we're not doing it. We should feel pressure knowing that millions of people every year die lost without the hope that we have, without the hope of eternal life. And it's a sad thing to, to think about all of that, to think about what they face. 
a place of eternal torment, a place where there will be pain uh, every second forever and ever, where there will be wailing and weeping and gnashing of teeth. There will never be any relief. It will just be eternal, eternal punishment for those who are lost. And it's our job to warn people, to let people know, to, ha- to tell them what they need to know so they can go to heaven just like we have the hope of doing. So we should feel pressure. That's what Paul felt. I'm sure that Paul felt pressure because as he closes all of those letters, he talks about some of those who had worked with him, who had forsaken the Lord. People who had stood beside him as he preached, who had now gone back into the world. I'm sure Paul had relatives who were lost. Maybe brothers and sisters, I have no idea, but uh, it's possible. I'm sure there were, Paul, there were people in Paul's lives who, life who were very, very close to him in, in many, many different ways. And I'm sure he felt pressure because of that. And we should too. We should feel pressure that will cause us to press forward in doing what the Lord has put us here to do. To reach those lost family members. To reach those people who work with us every day who have no hope because they haven't obeyed the gospel. To do those things and to, and to equip ourselves and continue to improve ourselves, to strengthen ourselves so we can be more effective in getting this job done. I believe that we're too complacent. That's why we see the Lord's church in America at the same size that it was 35 years ago today. We're richer. We have better buildings. We have a lot of things that are much finer than they were 35 or 40 or 50 years ago, but we're smaller. We're really smaller than we were then because we're not feeling the pressure. We're not feeling the pressure. Well, if we feel that pressure, then we'll start looking for ways to cope with it. And as I said, equip yourself so that you can be effective in doing the things that need to be done. And even beyond that, Paul mentions some things that I want to mention here that will help us as we we address those needs. Brethren, join me in following my example. And note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. He mentions then about four things and that I want to mention that, that if we'll think about, it'll help us to do what we need to do to move forward, to reach forward, to deal with this pressure. Number one, remember that our citizenship is in heaven. We're already in. We're already across the line as far as God is concerned if we're a faithful Christian. As a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, we can pray, we can do the things I mentioned earlier, know that God will answer us. We are a citizen of the greatest kingdom the world has ever known. Number two, we are facing a time when we will have a new body, a new life, a new physical being. Verse 21 of Philippians chapter 3 says, He will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to His glorious body according to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things to Himself. As we deal with this pressure, we need to hear what Paul says in chapter 4 and verse 6 where he says, Be anxious for nothing. Worry about nothing, he said. 
But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. There are a lot of things that I try to worry about. And he says here, when that happens, when I worry about that lost person that I'm trying to determine how I can reach, when I'm worried about this place in the world where I'm trying to figure out how to get there with the gospel, when I'm worried about uh, these things that that almost uh, incapacitate us, we sometimes uh, feel, he says pray. He says pray. And if we're in Christ, then He'll answer us. He says in verse 8 of Philippians 4, as we deal with pressure, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, of virtue, praiseworthy, think about these things. He says, think positive, be positive. And then in verse 13, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Realize that the strength to deal with the pressure to do the hard things that we're not doing, that we need to do, comes from God. And that strength is supplied if we're faithful, if we're feeding on His Word, if we're doing what He tells us to do to maintain ourselves. I have to read this a lot to maintain myself. I have to consider these things often to motivate myself. And as I said, I hope that we're motivated. I hope we feel pressure and are motivated to do some things that desperately need to be done. Because it won't be a good day, even for us, if we fail to obey the Great Commission, when we stand before God in judgment. It won't make any difference that we've been faithful in attending. It won't make any difference that we've accomplished what we've accomplished on a personal level if we've ignored what He's told us to do in terms of reaching out to the rest of the world and getting this job done. So we need to feel that pressure and to respond to it appropriately. About ten years ago, my wife and I made a trip to Rangoon, Burma. We flew over from here to Bangkok, Thailand, overnighted there, and uh, just an hour flight from Bangkok to Rangoon the next morning. Beautiful, sunshiny day, clear skies, Enjoyable flight flying across there, flew across the uh, delta of the Irrawaddy River, which runs into uh, the Indian Ocean south of Rangoon. And you could see for miles. And as we were approaching the airport in, in Rangoon, we could see the ground clearly. We could see the city. And as we looked at the area of the airport, we noticed there were thousands and thousands of soldiers there armed soldiers just they just were just coating the ground you might say hundreds and hundreds of of military vehicles war machinery 
The runway was lined with soldiers, tanks, and all kinds of other weaponry. And we knew we were in trouble. We circled the airport, the Thai Airways, and we thought we might go back to Bangkok, but we didn't. Circled, came around, and we landed in the midst of all of that sea of, of green, green people. Got off the airplane, walked through a, a walkway that was lined with soldiers into the terminal of the airport, thinking, what in the world is going to happen? We've never seen anything like this. We went through immigration with no problem. We, thought, we felt sure they would, they would pull our visa and put us on a plane out of the country. They didn't. Got through customs, got out into the main uh, reception area at the airport. And there were hundreds and hundreds of people. It was the most chaotic uh, scene in an airport I guess I've ever seen. And people were scrambling to try to get on airplanes to get out of there because something bad was about to happen. We didn't know what to do. We couldn't stay inside, so we went on out into all of those people. And uh, over the years, we'd been, we'd been working there at that time about seven or eight years. We had gotten to know the staff of the hotel where we, where we stayed, every time the same hotel. Pretty good-sized hotel. We had actually had Bible studies with as many as 60 staff members at that hotel, as a matter of fact. Several Christians among the staff. And they would meet us at the airport, two young ladies, every single time. The same two ladies would meet us at that airport. And they would take us to a, to a taxi or to a, some type of airport uh, transit vehicle that they had and take us to the hotel. We didn't see those girls. And so we started wading through that crowd thinking, I guess we'll try to get to a taxi and get to the hotel and figure out what to do. Hopefully we won't get arrested. Hopefully nothing will go bad. And we got about 20 feet out into that crowd, and you couldn't see where you were going or anything else. And somebody grabbed me by the hand. About the same time someone grabbed Janet's hand. And we looked around, and there were those two young ladies. And I was never so happy in my life to see anyone as to see them. And they led us through that uh, chaotic crowd. And it was about 200 yards to where we had to get to. We went past three or four military checkpoints. They had made arrangements. I don't know how they did it. They didn't even look at our papers or passports or anything else. And they put us in the back of a Volkswagen van covered us up with blankets and quilts and went through all of those uh, checkpoints and all of that sea of military people to a safe place and put us in a room. They brought food to us every day, told us not to go out, not to do anything. And in a few days, they came in one morning and said, everything's over. The government has fallen the leader who was in charge had been taken out of power and all of his people, a new government had been installed as just one general replacing another general, a communist country, of course, and things were back to normal. 
And I was talking to one of those uh, young ladies, and I said to her, I said, uh, we are so thankful that you've done what you've done for us. And uh, it's just amazing uh, to see you risk your life to save us. And she said, my life, my life is nothing, nothing compared to the value of what you're bringing to our people, to our people. It would be nothing for me to die, she said, if it will allow more people to hear the gospel. That's heaven, that, that's, that's the real thing. That's where we need to be. That's the attitude we need to have. We made it through that trip. About two years later, we went back to Burma on a... We were there several times, but a couple of years later on a trip, we ran into about the same thing, except the overthrow took place a couple of days before we were there. The leader that was in power was horrible. There were thousands of people in the streets demonstrating. He had raised the price of food. He had cut off their rice allowances, their fuel allowances. They were starving to death. They were protesting in the streets, and we didn't even get to have our classes that session. Same thing. We were hidden in a hotel for a few days. And uh, those two girls were among the protesters, the protesters who were out in the streets. And uh, we left, came home after our time was up, went back about six months later, and those two girls didn't meet us at the airport. They weren't there the first time in all the years that we've been traveling. They're now almost ten years got to the hotel. We asked some of the other staff about those two young ladies. And they said that the army took pictures, videoed, videoed crowds and took pictures of crowds. And one by one, they went through those pictures and identified the people who had been protesting. And they had identified those two young ladies. And as with thousands and thousands of others, in the middle of the night, the army came took them away. Nobody knows for sure, but they said most of them, they clubbed them to death and burned them in a huge incinerator on the outskirts of the city. They gave their life. They gave their life for what they believed in for the sake of the people of their country. For religious freedom. For opportunities to Worship openly. You can't worship there freely. You can't have services like we're having here today. You can't hand out literature on the streets. You can't mail things to people. You couldn't at that time. They lived out their faith the way the Lord wants us to. We need to feel some pressure. We need to feel some pressure. There's so much that we need to do. So much that needs to be accomplished. And we get so wrapped up in life from day to day in our little isolated world that we live in. And we forget about eternal life in heaven and a God that we should fear. 
a God who is just, who will not reward us if we're not righteous and faithful. We should feel that pressure. So if you're here today and you feel it, rededicate yourself to doing more, to being more, to equipping yourself better, to achieving more. And if you're wondering how far you need to go, think about those two young ladies there in Rangoon, Burma. They went as far as they could go, and they had to give their life to do it. How far are you going? If you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, come while we sing.